You're listening to the Sports by Fry podcast. On today's episode, after another stint away, I am back. And for the first time in 2020, I've got J-Lo on the podcast. Long-time Sports by Fry listeners will know that J-Lo, a.k.a. my housemate, a.k.a. Jake, a.k.a. Jacob, uh, arguably the better fantasy player out of the two of us, is a big AFL and NBA fan, and obviously that is predominantly what today's episode is going to be about. We talk a little bit about our AFL fantasy teams and how they're shaping up ahead of the last weekend of the Marsh series, dive a little bit into some other AFL stuff. As the games get underway throughout the season, we'll have more other heated debates and topics to go over, but just uh, dip our toes in the water a little bit. And then we look at some interesting potential playoff previews in the NBA. If the season were to end today, we kind of talk our way through what the matchups would look like. been a while since we sat down and recorded a podcast together. I think we've done one this year, honestly. I no, so. we wouldn't have, actually. Probably late last footy season, but uh, great man sitting next to me again. I, of course, am talking about J-Lo, who's back on the Sports by Fry Airwaves. How are you doing on hump day, the 4th of March, Jacob? Yeah, good. Just developing this weird chesty cough. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah. No, it's funny. I've had like a sniffly, runny nose the last... Uh, couple of days changing the weather maybe yeah it must be something like that i couldn't imagine anything else going on but yeah maybe it's because footy season's just maybe that must be it uh on a unrighted note i didn't stock up on toilet papers because that seems to be in short supply around australia (laughs) right now what's gonna happen i don't know doesn't matter because hopefully uh in a couple of weeks or almost two weeks exactly from the day uh, footy will still be going ahead and the world won't be crumbling around us. Fingers crossed. Uh, round one is nearly here, so I want to talk a bit of footy, a bit of basketball, just hitting on the main popular topics. We're going to try and turn this into a... No, we are going to turn this into a weekly segment, talking about the NBA playoffs that are coming up and obviously trending things in footy. And I want to start with AFL Fantasy. Like okay. I said, two weeks till the season starts. Uh, big weekend coming up in the Marsh Community Series. We've got a lot of teams that will probably roll out there close to full-strength outfits or a lot of players that we expect to hit the park in uh, round one. How's your fantasy team shaping up? Well, what is it, hump day? So we got two games this Friday and then a couple throughout the rest. Of, I think there's even a Monday game oh, this weekend. It's also really stretched out. But how's your fantasy side looking after the preseason thus far? It's looking. Uh, it's pretty much looking the same as it had uh, has or from... Sorry, I'll start that again. It's pretty much looking the exact same as it did. It's been a long way off for everyone. It's looking the same as it did before the Marsh series. Yep. Nothing much has changed there. Um, the only thing that Mar- the Marsh series has perhaps done is sort of uh, reinforced my belief in a few of these young players or yep. a few of these, these risky players I'm going for. I'm going for a pretty unique lineup, mm. um, very different to what the traders and most conventional dream team guys are going for this year. But um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's looking. Um, I think as, as it rolls out and as people start to see it, they'll probably question me a lot. But uh, yeah, that, that gives you some sort of idea of what it looks like. You've always said it, and it's something that I, I think I'm really starting to subscribe to this season, but you've just got to have a bit of fun with your team. Oh, yeah. Like at the moment, I've got Tim Kelly sitting in my side. When it 
competition first opened, I remember throwing him in, but everyone's like, oh, you know, he could get tagged. Mm. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that Eagles midfield. And we're like, no, I just genuinely love watching Tim Kelly play yeah. footy. Yeah. Might not be one that stays in my start around one, but uh, yeah, I've definitely gone a couple of unique routes as well. Walshie's someone who's chopped in and out of my team. The second ruck spot is the one that's giving a lot of coaches trouble. Do you go for someone like Riley O'Brien, or maybe even if he's there around one, Max Gorn, really pay top dollar. Tons of people are keen on the idea of Sam Jacobs, but is he going to play with Shane Mumford? And then there's a plethora of options in the middle. How's your R2 looking at the present? Uh, I'm not too worried about that side of things. It's just going to be one of those guys, Mm. and I'll adjust accordingly. Um, I'll make the call on the eve of round one. Um, probably watch how uh, I've got Sammy Jacobs in there at the moment but yeah. I'll, I'll just sort of monitor it uh, I'm, it's not giving me too many nightmares at the moment I know a lot of fantasy coaches are really ripping their hair out over that one and sort of a lot of sleepless nights but I'm just going to let that one sort of play out it's not really going to affect the structure of my team especially with the money I have in the kitty um, I think that's probably a good way to go forward you know I've got two weeks until the season just wait it out and you know there's a lot of changes that are going to happen to everyone's team. That's um, one of the huge reasons I hate doing like drafts for your fantasy side before. At least, maybe, you know, doing it around this time makes a lot of sense. But there's yeah. dudes that did it, you know, like three weeks ago. Yeah, right. And, you know, there's all sorts of injuries and all sorts of things that happen throughout the preseason. So, mm. similar deal. I like to, like, I'll pick a team. I haven't made too many changes throughout the Marsh series. Made a couple of tweaks here and there, but they were ones that I was contemplating before watching, like before getting a bit of evidence to back up my thinking, I guess. Um, but yeah, second ruck spot. I'm starting to lean towards the idea of maybe even putting Sammy Naismith on my bench as my third ruck option. And to do that, I'd probably have to put Sam Jacobs in. But if you add those two together price-wise, I think you'd be pretty close to affording mm. someone like a you know, Max Gorn or a Rory, um, Rory O'Brien, Riley O'Brien. But yeah, I, I'm one who's not stressing about my second ruck spot but I think depending on which way you go it could open up a lot of other avenues like there's a lot of price difference between those dudes and it could be the difference between batting one deeper in your midfield or getting a crappy 170k rookie into like a 300 grand dude that you like the looks of yeah so there's a lot of uh a lot of things still to be determined uh how many blokes oh actually let's do this exercise we'll go through the most popular owned dudes and then see how many are in your team and how many aren't because there's I a could, couple I could pretty much guarantee I'll have none of the top 20 other than Grundy Grundy's oh, the only reckon, one I've got I reckon there'd be more than you think oh but yeah, yeah sorry Matty Rowell and guys like that yeah, yeah but you're, you're right I do I do like the, a lot of the uniqueness about your team one thing that I've started to do is I haven't in the past I've always been a bit hesitant to give up players and like the information but I'm like if you want to people listen to this, if you want to go out there and copy my team player for player, like, knock yourselves out. It doesn't mean that yours and mine are going to look exactly the same at the end of the year anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's a lot, a lot of people, like, that are pretty heavily invested into it are like, oh, I don't want to tell you who's my third midfielder. That's a value pick that I want to keep close to my chest. But, yeah. like, you, you've said it again, like, there's no teams out there that are going to be exactly the same. That's my on. biggest pet peeve is how much people look at unique players, you know, Midway through the season, I really don't think that's going to matter until, if you unless you're in the top thousand in the last week, or if you're trying to win your league and you've just got that one player who's different, get the players who are going to give you the most combined points over the season. That's 
That's literally the answer. Don't worry about ownership until late in the year. That's yeah. that's my. I can see the idea of chasing some like lesser percentage owned dudes, especially to start the year. Someone like Tim Kelly, for example. But in saying that, like you got to, there's got to be another reason for it. You can't just be like, oh, he's in two percent of teams. Yeah. Tom Rockliffe's another one who's getting a lot of buzz lately because I think at the start of the week, Ken Hinckley was like, yeah, he's going to play, or maybe even Rocky himself actually, going to play a lot of midfield. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. Obviously, he's a midfielder. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, crazy. Anyway, all right. Most owned dude in AFL fantasy right now. Uh, is he on your field, Marlon Pickett? No, he's on my bench. Yeah, same, actually. Uh, Matty Rao, he's on my field. He's, he's my last s- midfielder. Last midfielder. So I like how deep your midfield is. I, he's my second last midfielder at this stage. I've got a strategy, boys. I've got a strategy. So. A, lot of, uh, a lot of people will like to go two, or well, usually three or four, actually, rookies. Um, deep in the midfield because that's obviously where a lot of the points do come from mm-hmm. and a lot of cash generation can come and then you put a little bit more onus on picking dudes who aren't going to just tank it in your forward and defence but yeah, I'm starting to subscribe to the uh, at least like six solid midfielders I just have a lot more faith in getting the points from the mids mm. than I do forwards or backs particularly with the crop that we've got up back and forward it's really it's really hard to gauge who's going to give you solid consistent scores yeah um, whereas the mids, I could look at 50 blokes and, that are midfield only, and yeah. I'm pretty confident in most of them. So that's kind of the way I'm going. Makes a lot of sense. Yep. Uh, you've already mentioned it, but the third most popular owned dude, Brody Grundy in your team. Yep, yep. Tommy um, Mitchell. Yeah, you're right. I do have him actually as well. Yep. Lockie Whitfield, who's actually shot up to 50% ownership. He's the highest owned player that's not in my team, I guess you could word it. He's not in yours. No, he's not. No, he's way too expensive for my taste at this point in the year. Priced at an average of 114. There's no reason why he can't be better than that, but that's a lot of points. And there's no reason why, you know, we saw how much his price went all over the shop last oh, year. Nice. Probably will still end the year as the highest scoring forward, but he's got Geelong in round one. There's a couple of other tough matchups for the Giants boys, so I wouldn't be uh, totally against the idea of flagging Whitfield. He's probably going to stay out of my team, I reckon. Also tricky to, un- to know where he's going to play because he's thrown it over the place so much. You're just not quite sure where he's going to get his minutes. And he's one of those blokes probably doesn't matter. Mm. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind just side- siding him in on their starting side. Yeah. With... Because who, who just went out? Taranto's out for Taranto, the yeah. oh, I guess that doesn't matter, but it's just gonna, it's interesting to see where he's going to start, and I think that's why I'll stay away from him for now. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Uh, next cab off the rank, Sam Doherty. I do actually have him. Yeah, now I look at this, I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I've got yeah, a few. Yeah. But it's some of the ones. Obviously, there's a reason that a lot of these dudes have high oh, of ownership percentage. Dives into a lot of rookies now. Isaac Rankin and Max King are both my forward bench options at the moment. Um, and then Darcy Cameron as well is on my bench. You got all three of them? Uh, I believe... Maybe not Rankin yeah, at okay. this point, but yeah. Then it starts to get pretty interesting. Dan Houston is in a lot of teams. Mine and, and yours. Mine. Yep. Dill Robinson? Not in mine. Yeah. He was in mine for a while, and then I just thought I could better use the cash in my midfield. It's I'm sort of... Um, the way my, my defence and forward line's structured, I'm giving up a lot yeah. to have a really strong midfield, but we'll just see how it plays out. I'll see what looks like come round one as well. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Exactly. Right? Next dude on the list is someone that I'm considering, but probably at like a 20%, is Dustin Martin. Sure. We'll, we'll probably score really well. And his price just a bit under 100, but... I had him to start the year last year, and I remember he had like a 70 or something against the Blues. Rocky had that huge, like, yeah, 160 right. or whatever, and I straight swap. And then yeah. by the end of the year, 
Dustin Martin was back in my team. So I'm sure he'll come in at some point, but I think considering his role and there's a lot that fluctuates with Dusty's fantasy scores. And Richmond as well. Yeah, um, agreed. I, I think I'm going to start without him. Yeah, I was interested, just a quick one on Dusty, to listen to Jack Rewalt uh, while he was sitting on the sidelines after having played the All-Star match. Mm. Just, just he was having a chat to the boundary rider, I forget who it was, and he was saying, yeah, all our forwards, obviously we're missing Dusty up forward, myself, and I, it's interesting that he put, him, yeah, put point. Dusty as a forward, not a mid. Um, so, you know, he obviously swings between the two, but you wonder if Dusty, as he starts to get towards the 250-300 game mark, as he's getting on, he might shift up forward a fair bit more. Because be, he's so damaging anyway. Yeah, I would be surprised if Jack Ross... And Marlon Pickett mm. chewed up a lot of their midfield minutes as well. Trent yeah. Cotchin healthy will do the same. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, go speed round. I'll burn through a couple of these quickly. Yeah. Ned McHenry, take it with a grain of salt. If he's there round one, his ownership will obviously stay up. Otherwise, will go down. Same with Hayden Young, who's in my team at the moment, despite not having played yet this preseason. But I am fairly confident he'll start the year. Brandon Stasevic, similar deal. Jack McRae is in my midfield, not in yours. No. No, no it's, it's, there's not many top dollar dudes you paid up for in the no, mid-team. No, there isn't, no. Jakey Lloyd, a lot of people are starting to turn off him, ourselves included. Hugh Goddard, nope. Will Gould, Noah Anderson are in my team. And then you go through, start to get into a couple of other dudes. Lockie Neal's ownership's actually shot up to 20%. Can't say I blame anyone since his, uh, Nilo in there, mate. Since his huge game. Priced at 105, no reason why he can't be 10 points better. Uh, Hugh Greenwood, someone who wasn't in my team to start the... Marsh series, but is in now. I think he took Andrew Brayshaw's spot, actually. But have you uh, considered Hugh Greenwood for your starting side? Yeah, he's he he was one bloke I kind of wanted to squeeze in there, but couldn't quite. But then have and more recently have found a spot for him. So at this point, he's in there. We'll see what happens. I probably I'm sort of growing to the idea of maybe switching him out, doing a weird shuffle, and finding a way for one of those the Giants midfielders to start in my midfield, right. given Taranto's out. Um, but yeah, Hugh, Huey Greenwood, I'm just a big fan of him. Yeah, same Just as a player. Him. So yeah. th- that's another one of those ones I might just put him in because I just enjoy the way he goes about and watching him. And It's fun yeah. to watch Gold Coast a little bit sometimes, I reckon. Great call. Uh, we're on the same wavelength because the last dude I want to talk about, and uh, you've already teased it, but Giants midfield is going to be very interesting to watch with Taranto out. He's out for like four months. Um, and the last dude who has... 20% ownership or higher is Stephen Canelio. Yeah. Has chopped in and out of my team. He's kind of taken Tim Kelly's place at times hmm. in my team. At this point, I don't think I'm going to start with him, but geez, there's no reason why he couldn't just go gangbusters in that Giants midfield. He had a 190 last year, didn't he, mate? Like, yeah. Something crazy like Got that. Got injured on zero as well, which you kind of forget, which shoots his price and his average down. Yeah, I, I really believe in Cornelio and I almost feel a bit safe for going him uh, as opposed to Kelly or Whitfield so yeah, um, yeah I, there's there's a, every chance that Stephen Cornelio might just find his way into my side I think he's about 100 grand cheaper than Kelly yeah. and about 80 or 70 grand cheaper than Whitfield so that's a lot of money all those Giants all boys up. are all so tantalising though aren't they yeah. like it's that's that one midfield you're just like oh, all four or five of those guys you just Straight into my side. You probably could get away with it too. They get that much footy, so just start with all giants and all bulldogs, Mate, and never look back. You do pretty bloody well. You honestly. would actually. Like, you it, might yeah. not be able to field a full defense and forward line, but no, it'd be worth it. No, you'd figure it out. 
We can spend the rest of the time talking about uh, AFL fantasy, but uh, quickly before we move on to some actual footy stuff, make sure if you haven't already, you jump into the Sports by Fry League. Real easy, just search Sports by Fry or one word. Um, I think there's already more people in there at this time of year than what there was the entire of last year, so might have to uh, workshop a couple of prizes or something. A bit of uh, Sportsby merch, maybe. Yeah, we did talk about that, didn't we? Yeah, we'll I, think, I, think, uh, I think I'm going to definitely push that uh, factor. But, oh yeah, I'll have more updates on that. Um, but I want to talk about some actual footy. What are there two weeks now from the start of the season? We've got a pretty good gauge of how each team's travelling. Um, this won't be a deep dive. We'll obviously have plenty more to talk about in the coming weeks, but... Is there anyone who's really on your radar as a team that maybe finished inside the eight last year that you expect to slide? And then vice versa, someone that's maybe not getting a lot of buzz that you like the sounds of. Because I think a lot of the top eight sides from last year are going to remain in contention. Probably have the likes of Richmond, West Coast, and then Collingwood Giants, Bulldogs, sorta, all in like the Mm. premier contenders, but... So a lot of murkiness around the uh, AFL. It's been a pretty open competition for the last few years. So is there anyone uh, piquing your interest in preseason? Uh, just having a look at the at the top eight now, there's there's no one who I'm really worried about falling out. For some reason, I thought the Crows made it. Uh, obviously, it's been a long time been since long time. footy's been played, but um, I would have said the Crows. Apparently, they're <laughs> not in it. Um, the only ones who really jump to mind, but when you look at those, are Geelong, Essendon, and the, the Lions, you worry about a little bit. Yep. But um, oh look, I could I could really see that top eight staying locked as it is. Um, I've got a, I got a bit of faith in the Dons, although I don't know who's going to kick their goals. But Dev Smith back and just a bit more depth. I don't know. I've I've got a feeling about the Dons. I thought the Dons would finish top bloody two last year. So yeah, you know what do I know? But that's all right. Everyone has their own opinion. I honestly I was the one that. Not really crapped on Brisbane, but I just was not a fan no. of the Lions last year. I was pretty vocal in it as well. Mm. And they, I tipped that they'd fall out of the finals in straight sets, but you know, when you've only got like four dudes on your roster who've had finals experience, yeah. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a tumble down the standings and finished like sixth or seventh. Sure. Yep. But in saying that, there's only oh, three wins from top of the table and sixth or seventh, so you know. They did go, I think, 10-1 and one at the Gabba last year, which is pretty bloody impressive. Yeah, that is. Um, but yeah, I do I do wonder, like, they've got, similar to the coaches, they've got a lot of stars across a lot of lines and a lot of, like, powerful players. Love Lockie Neal, have done for years. Mm. So there's someone that I could see maybe taking a bit of a tumble. The Pies, it feels like they're one or two injuries to the wrong people away from just wheels falling off the wagon, totally. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, someone who, in the bottom... 10, I went to say 8, force of habit, but uh, in the bottom tier that I think could really make a leap up is my Frio Dockers, a little bit of a glass half full. I don't reckon they'll go like gangbusters and like make a lot of noise this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if they hovered around 500, finished like 12 and 10 or chalk up that 13th win and maybe just get one of the last few spots in the 8. Need a lot of things to break right, but I reckon the way that Justin Longmuir was talking, and I could see it like clicking instantly. Ooh, but, yeah. obviously, the way that the Fremantle Dockers have operated in the past, I've uh, tended to uh, look at it with a glass half empty approach. So maybe that's just me trying to talk it. I'm pretty sure. Direction. I'm pretty sure just you're just looking at that with a glass half full approach, mate. I don't know what you're talking about. I am a big Frio fan. Just generally, I'm usually pretty, uh, pretty good yeah, to them that. in yeah. my uh, very fair. 
in my predictions, but I, I think Frio will probably finish about 11th, 12th, 13th, about where they where they did last year. Yeah, that seems realistic. The only blokes in the in the bottom that I can really see jumping up are potentially, I mean, they're right there anyway, way Hawthorne. Mm. Um, I think St Kilda might make a little move, but that the bottom of the ladder, it's, it, it really does feel like there's a clear top seven. Yeah. And then the rest, and it's, I don't know, as a West Coast fan, I, I, I'm struggling to look much lower than sixth. That's at this point, nice just I know it is nice. It's great. I'm I'm really enjoying it. But uh, yeah, not a lot of movement. Hawks maybe jump back in yeah. with Tommy Mitchell. The Hawks really interest me. I wouldn't be surprised if they were the ones that took maybe Essendon's spot. Mm. But yeah, like you said, a lot of the top eight, you're like, oh, where's uh, where's the like drop off coming from? Yeah, exactly. Richmond and, Clark, and West Coast. Clarko is a champion though, so you got to yeah, you got to. That's back true. Up, but uh, Richmond and West Coast, you expect to be right there at the business end of the year. Yeah. Similar can be said with those dudes I mentioned already. Collingwood, the Giants, Bulldogs, who I'm really bullish on. The Geelong and Brisbane might slip a tad, but the I still wheels. think their premiership window is like they're right in the middle of it. I, I don't know about Geelong. I could say... Well, I, sorry, yeah. They're, they're a team that are very similar. Losing Kelly, Duncan's out to start the year. And you're just like, oh, there's one or two injuries away from mm. Tommy Stewart, who, you know, holds up that defense and, I don't know, someone up front or Danger just does a you know, a four-weeker, and you're just like, oh, actually, they're not even... They're not close enough to strike. I don't yeah. know. I could. They've got that great home ground advantage, though. That's always going to be something for the Cats. But I could see them really tumbling. It feels like a long way to go from first on the ladder yeah. to out of the eight. But um, they're, they're one of the teams who I could maybe see. Could happen. They had a massive percentage which held them at the top of the table, but mm. finished with the exact same record as Richmond and Brisbane. They so. started the year on fire as well. Did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so... I guess I shouldn't have said that the Brisbane's premiership window is wide open because I honestly think that this is... I don't want to say the last year that they could maybe pull it off, but, you know, Harry Taylor, Joel Selwood, Gary Ablett. Joel Selwood probably won't. Geelong or Brisbane right now? Geelong, sorry, did I say Brisbane? Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's been a long day. Yep. Geelong Cats, the Geelong Football Club, I think, uh, (laughs) are in like right at the end of their um, premiership contention, I guess you could say. I agree, yeah. Um, They've been a team similar to the Swans in the past that has kind of rebounded quickly and they haven't had a lot of a drop-off. So, yeah, watch this space. But, yeah, I reckon 2020 could be one of their last real rolls of the dice. Otherwise, they might be in for a tricky couple of seasons. Yeah, definitely. But it could be interesting because maybe they know that. Maybe they all really agree with that and just sort of say, well, let's give it one more big crack. So they could be a real danger team in that sense. Joshua would finish his yeah, We've just talked ourselves in circles there, really. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, the Geelong Cats will probably fall, but they could just be super dangerous. <laughs> this is the last year they could win the flag. Oh. They're a really good club, but maybe they won't. They probably won't finish top eight. I don't know what's happening. That's a pretty good time to transition into some basketball. So each team in the NBA has got about 20 games left of the regular season, and we've got a pretty clear-cut idea of the teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Down West, there's a lot of fluctuation for that eight seed. Mm. And similar could maybe be said with some of the bottom seeds out East, but I honestly reckon the eight teams that are in there now, barring a Bradley Beal 100-point game, are going to uh, stay where they are. Let's stick with the East and look at... I want to, like I said, do this each week, just project the playoff matchups, and then we can spend however long we want, really, talking about each team, because some of them, obviously... Are going to be worth mentioning more than others. Uh, the 52-9 and nine Milwaukee Bucks would be hosting Orlando in round one. 
Uh, Orlando famously beat Toronto in Game 1 and then lost the remaining four last year in the playoffs. And I kind of like the magic and the way they're going about it. Getting a couple of playoff games in there. They've got some young pieces, but it almost feels like they're stuck just a little bit over like mediocrity. We, we always say the worst spot to be in the NBA is stuck in the middle. Mm. Shout out to the Detroit Pistons, but... Yeah, Orlando, I feel like they're on the right trajectory. You a fan of the Magic or nah? Uh, honestly, I have watched so little of them. <laughs> okay. Um, Aaron Gordon's not a player that interests me. Who else have they got? Fultz doesn't Vooch. interest me. Vooch is one of those guys you're just like, oh yeah, he's really good, but... I'll give you 18 and 9. He's not that watchable. True. I, I have watched so little of the Magic, I could give you really very little you know, info. All I could say is that them up against Milwaukee, it's going to be a four-game sweep. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all I'll give you. Probably. There's not really a lot more that you need to talk about the Bucks. Do you reckon that... So to win 70 games, because it's been talked about for a couple of weeks now around Milwaukee, they have to go 18-3 and three to finish the year, which sounds pretty fucking hard, but I don't know if they'll even push for it. I reckon they might like give Giannis a couple more rests down the stretch. Maybe win like 68 games or something like that. But they're clearly, record-wise, the best team in the East. Do you think they're the best chance to come out of the East as well? Uh, probably. Um, yeah, I think they might be. I really love Brad Stevens and uh, Boston. Yep. But uh, Giannis is a serious problem, and he's he really is. We say it all the time on these highlight packages. I know you love to say it, but Giannis really is a cheat code. Mm. And I just can't... He's just got better. I can't see many people stopping him at this point. So I I, I reckon they're the real deal. Certainty for a uh, back-to-back MVP? Uh, yeah, probably at this point. It feels like no one's done a big enough run. Mm. So you would have to have already started your big push. MVP yeah. push. Uh, and I can't really see anyone who's doing it. Unless the Rockets go like 20-0 and or something to finish off. But even then, you're like, oh, is it... Russell or Harden, I don't know. So. Yeah, Harden was kind of the darling over the first part of the season, but Westbrook dominated February, so it's you can't really pick one over the other. Yeah, yeah it's definitely Giannis. I'm doing a uh, updated sports beer MVP ladder, and yeah, similar deal. I'm like, I, I write this like five times a year, but this year I've just been like, well, I'm just going to leave Giannis at number one again. Like, there's been plenty of fluctuation between everyone else, yeah. and I I could see LeBron. He'd have to do something like nearly historic. But maybe if the Lakers, say, went close to matching Milwaukee's win total, because they're only five games behind them in a tougher conference. I could see some voters being swayed that way, but, yeah, it would take something pretty ballsy from the uh, Lakers. i got a feeling that LeBron is realistically just going for the chip this yeah, year. Yeah, makes sense. For the, the Kobe factor, I think, like, I, it feels like something's just switched in LeBron yeah. recently. He was playing great up until, you know, that went down, but... Feels like he's taking it to another level, so I reckon he's going to make sure he wins the chip. So put it, you can put it on paper right now that LeBron will win the chip this year. I'll I actually uh, put a punt on the Lakers to win the chip before Kobe died, mm. so I'm like, oh, not cer- nothing's a certainty, but surely the way that stars are aligning. No, uh, back in the East, two seed and seven seed would be the Raptors and Nets. Karis Avert had 51 today. Did yes, you see that? I just saw that as we were starting the podcast. So was, but you know, what, you know whatever, whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Raptors are an interesting one, eh? They Obviously, they're a game and a half above Boston, who we'll dive into in a second for the number two seed. But a lot of people have said 
for most of the season, since the standings kind of have taken real shape. But it seems like there's a clear top six in the East at the moment. There's ten games, or nine actually, between six and seven. So Toronto getting a hold of that second seed not only means that they will get a crappier team to play in round one, you also avoid Milwaukee for another round, which is handy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, watch your space. That'll be interesting. Celtics Sixers would be the current three six matchup. That would be a doozy. Wicked series. Who would you pick in Boston that? In pretty quickly. You five. reckon? Yeah. Not a fan of the Sixers. I've never been a fan of the Sixers, to be honest, mate. It just, it really depends what which Joel Embiid turns up. But even then, I just I feel like they've got all sorts of chemistry issues. And I really think it's just big egos on a team that doesn't have a head coach who can manage them. I feel like Brett Brown, similarly for that reason, is going to get the can this off-season. Probably. Regard, unless they've got They're underperforming. The finals or something. But yeah, I'm like, oh, is, it, is it really his fault? Like, big <laughs> mate, like the Jimmy Butler trade, the who else they trade for? Tobias Harris trade, then extending him, like... The Mark shipping away Markel Fultz, their roster's just gone all over the shop the last yeah. like twenty four months, say. So yeah, it's tough to try and find some continuity if they're just constantly a revolving door of dudes. You do just need to have a coach though. Like it's it is the coach's job to manage the locker room yeah. in a way. In fact, it's in the NBA. Let's be honest. Like you can probably just trot five random guys out there and be like, go for it. Like just run a motion, mm. and it's the best players kind of are going to get you a win most of the time. Yeah. It's never really the coach drawing up plays once every now and then, but it's just, you know, they've got a scheme and they just run it. So I just feel like a big chunk of it is actually managing those egos and just the Philly egos are just through the yeah. roof for blokes who've never done anything. Yeah, you've got to have a leader and like a man mm. as your head coach to steer people on the right ship. <laughs> uh, shout out to Eric Spolstra. Coach of the Miami Heat, who are currently the four seed. Yeah. Uh, they would take on Indiana. Only a couple of games difference between them now. Both yeah. teams riding win streaks, but the Pacers have kind of not turned a corner, but I feel like they're going to really find their stride with Vic now uh, healthy. Jeremy Lamb went down, which will hurt him a bit, but I think they've got enough depth. The Holiday Brothers, there's a lot of pieces I like. Yeah, a few people were really off the Pacers this year. Probably with the Victor Oladipo injury. I think I was at the start of the year. Yeah, I, I reckon there might have even been a podcast where we disagreed on the paces. But I, nah, I, I, took, I deleted it, took care of it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, But I, I really like them and I think they're doing unreal. And now Victor's back. If they just get sort of like, say, 20 games, run into the playoffs, it's probably the perfect time for Oladipo to come back. Um, and if he can be anything like he was, then even if he's just a great defender yeah. and a and a middle of the range, you know, offensive option. Doesn't seem like they're they're a, they're more of a by committee team. Yeah. Which... Well, with but with Malcolm Brogdon and Sabonis taking like a big jump this mm. year, mm. obviously there's not going to be as much onus on Victor. I wouldn't be surprised if in the last like what have we got twenty games left in the last ten dozen or so, we start to see him like really shake the rust off, pop off for like a oh, yeah. 30, 40 point game or something. We're like, oh, all right, the paces are here, but. Yeah, they're a very interesting team to watch. If they could somehow get home court advantage and maybe make things interesting, topping one of those other top four teams, who knows? Great. Um, out West, like I've said, the eighth seed is the big one undergoing a lot of change. As it stands right now, the Memphis Grizzlies are three games clear of the Sacramento Kings, fueled by a three-game winning streak. Seven and three in their last ten, the Kings are. Mm. Uh, they're half a game above Portland and the Spurs who are both half a game above New Orleans. So 
Obviously, it's the Grizzlies' spot to lose right now. They would be taking on the Lakers. Pelicans have one of the easiest stretches remaining, mm. and a lot of people are picking them to jump up and take out Memphis for that eight How seed. How many spots would they jump? So they're four games behind Memphis right now, okay. as it stands. It's the Grizzlies hovering one game under five hundred, so not impossible, but it's a lot of ground to make up in just 20 games. Yeah, you're right. It's probably just not quite enough time for the Pels to do it. You could see the Kings doing it, but I, I, I agree. I think... I think the um, the West is pretty much locked at this point. Yeah, I thought that the Grizzlies would fall off, so but they've actually had a couple of impressive games. Yeah. Like, and let's be honest, if they just go five hundred from here, they're probably going to hold onto that spot probably. and then get swept by the Lakers in the first round. Thanks for coming. Pretty Surely, much. you reckon? Absolutely. Yeah, I think if I had to put money on a sweep, if the playoffs started today, based on the, I'd have more faith in the Lakers sweeping Memphis. Oh, a tough one. Nah, probably more faith in the Bucks sweeping Orlando. But. Just because the Bucks have just got that unsolvable problem. You yeah. Know? So I, I agree that it's, it's going to be sweep from both of those one seeds, East and West. Um, After the last couple of games, we've seen the uh, Clippers shoot up into the second seed now. They would take on Dallas in the first round matchup, which would be very interesting. It would be a fun little game. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's one of those ones, as a Denver Nugget fan, who we'll talk about in a second, I'm, I would prefer to play Oklahoma than Dallas. Just Dallas has that sort of that wow factor. You never know what's going to happen when Luke is on the court. Mm. He's just he's really that good and you never know which Porzingis you're going to get. So and Hardaway Jr has been playing really well. Has so. Seth Curry has been hurt lately, but he had eight threes the other game. So, you know, he gets hot and swings a game or two. All Absolutely. of a sudden you're in a game 7 and anything can happen in game 7. Yeah, definitely. I think out of the bottom four playoff teams in the West the Mavs probably have the highest ceiling, I'd say. Like, the biggest chance of getting hot and going on a run, maybe. Probably, yeah. Probably also stupid. The, the biggest swing between floor and ceiling yeah. as well. The least consistent of the four yeah. down there. But, yeah, I agree. They definitely could just... They could realistically come in and sweep someone from the from the lower seed. Could happen. Spending uh, just 30 seconds on the Clippers. A lot of people... Well, not a lot of people. Some people have been saying that the Clippers aren't really meshing and there's a bit of worry around mm. the franchise, etc., etc. But I honestly think that they're fine. I think they've won like 80% or something like that of their games when they've had their five starters healthy. Kawhi and Paul George to start the year were just like chop, chopping mm. and changing interchangeable games. Then you went, Pat Beverly got hurt. Um, they make a trade. Oh, no, they got, um, what's his name from New York? Morris, Marcus Morris. Yeah. So... I've gone on like undergone a lot of changes and tweaks and things like that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they they're what five games behind the Lakers. I don't think they can catch them for the top seed, but I wouldn't be surprised if that gap narrowed by the time the year ended. Yeah, I I watched them play the Nuggets and just destroy us uh, a week about a week ago. Really liked the look of them. Um, Paul George looked okay. He he's a bit funky, Paul George at the moment, mm. struggling to find his rhythm. But I mean, you've got Kawhi Leonard. Arguably, still the best player on the planet. So, I got no worries with the uh, the clips and Lou Will and Trez Harrell off the bench are devastating. Really yeah, that one two punch is pretty unreal. Unreal. Speaking of one two punches, uh, the Denver Nuggets are starting to develop one of their own, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Jamal's looked up and down since the All Star break, but there was a period was it post or pre All Star break that he was just looking 
unreal. Oh, that's a good question. It was after know. he came back from his injury. I think it was leading into the break, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and sort of cooled off a little bit after, which is a shame, because he really was looking like he was the best scorer in the league. Or, so, yeah. yeah, at the moment, they are currently the third seed, a couple of games clear of Houston, and they would take on the Thunder. Any danger from the Thunder? I think, didn't the Thunder just beat us? The other day? Yeah. Pretty sure they did. Pretty sure they just beat us on the road. Um, there's always a bit of danger around with the Nuggets because like we were talking about the Pacers, the Nuggets kind of a beat you by committee sort of team. Yep. So if the if that committee is shooting well and defending well, then they're going to beat you pretty easily and they'll probably blow anyone out. Yep. But if they're off or just a couple of them are, a couple of them are off, then uh, it gets real sh- dicey. So they're definitely... a Bit of danger around OKC. I, as a Denver fan, I would walk into that series pretty confident, especially knowing the level that Jokic goes to in the playoffs. Like he really stepped it up last year. Yeah, assuming that always great again. to see from a young star when they get their. That was his first dip in the postseason. It was yeah. all of their first. Dip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, and he, and he's sort of pretty consistently been clutch in big moments throughout his career. So you feel like that's the sort of player he is. So that would ease my nerves, but. Um, the way the Nuggets are looking, nothing's impossible. I think when the the top two seeds are pretty locked, but anywhere after that in the West is uh, it's up for grabs in terms of once you make the playoffs going through, you could see a Portland do what they did last year. Yeah, yeah, that's get very true. The final, so yeah, one team that I I chop and change and change my opinion every week on these guys, the fourth seeded Houston Rockets, who are a game. Ahead of Utah in the fifth seed, uh, I'm buying Houston Rockets oh, stock right now. Mine. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of because I I went back and rewatched their game. I might have watched it live actually. Their game against um, Boston the other day. Yeah, I think we were watching that. Live. Can't remember, but um, yeah, I was a big fan. They got down. I think it was like 16, 17 points. They clawed their way back. Did a similar thing in their next game. I think it was against the Knicks. York, they yeah. ended up losing, but. Yeah, Roko. You sure you're buying? <laughs> yeah, Roko is um, playing that center role perfectly. There's a lot of like Russell Westbrook lanes just purely opened by them having five dudes out. Um, I thought I think they've won the rebounding margin the last couple of games, or if they haven't, it hasn't. They haven't been blown out, which is you know just going off the eye test. Everyone, myself included, would have been like, well, you don't have a center, you don't have any big man on your roster. Surely mm-hmm. other bigs are going to dominate you. Which could come playoff time when they're going up against yeah. Ant Davis, Jokic, maybe even Rudy Gobert yeah. in this slated first round game. But yeah, I'm I'm buying Houston at the moment. I'm a fan. So yeah, it's funny. I buy them to do well in the regular season. That's yeah. about yeah. where it stops. I and I look. I love Russell. Don't really like the way James Harden goes about it, but I can't complain. Like he's he's do, playing the game and dominating and doing it at a really high level so I respect it steering your uh, fantasy team into a uh, number one seed in our conference oh yeah, yeah so absolutely so, yeah definitely can't complain with James but yeah I, I once they get to a Jokic or an Ant Davis or even who would guard LeBron you know PJ Tucker maybe but then who's guarding the centre like yeah. I just I just don't see any longevity in, in it although you know you, someone's got to change the game at some point, so maybe the the Rockets are doing what the Warriors kind of did, and you know I can't think of someone else who did it before them. I like the fact how they kind of like, oh, you know what, like, got to try. This something. is pretty much it. Man. We got to just go for yeah. it. We got to try and mix it up. 
Yeah, we'll trade our centre. Fuck it. Give us Robert Covington. Like, let's take 73s. Like, they've really doubled down on their philosophy. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it could pay off. It'll be very interesting to watch. Would you tip them to at least get past Utah if that was a first-round bout? That'd be interesting. Oh, honestly, I, I probably wouldn't. I don't think I would. I think I'd back Utah's, like, world-class defence and the seven-footer. I really would. Yeah. Um, I'd, but... It's so hard to tell, I'll be honest. But I would choose Utah in that matchup. A lot of the playoffs, especially in the West, comes purely down to like who's got who, how did the seedings unfold. Because there was that, what happened last... Oh, um, Anthony Simons, remember? The last day of the season went off. And didn't it shoot you guys into two or three or something? locked us into second, yeah. Yeah, and then Houston took a bit of a tumble as a result. And then I think they might have even got bounced by Utah in the first round or second round or something. Yeah, Yeah, actually, that Utah-Houston matchup looks really familiar. They've gone against each other a couple of years in a row. I wouldn't be surprised if it was two years in a row that Houston has lost to them. But I have a hunch that the Warriors touched them up at one Mm. point. But all the years start to blend and uh, look like one another. I've given... uh, Put my little two cents in on uh, the Rockets. That was one other thing I wanted to talk about. But probably before we wrap up, I want to talk about Jason Tatum. Okay. Who I think has probably potential... Because there was a lot of dudes... I've seen a lot of graphics and things on Instagram lately about all these stars under 21. We yep. turned 22 yesterday, so... Sure. Or 21 or under, sorry. But there's guys like Zion, Jar being put into this name bracket. Um, Luca as well. I honestly think you could put Jason Tatum in that... Trey Young's another one. You put Jason Tatum in that same group. I would think he and Brandon Ingram are probably the most likely dudes to be that like prototypical wing scorer. They're like the T-Mac of the next generation, you know? Tim could win a hell of a lot, but could just be a prolific scorer and emerge as like a legit MVP threat for the next half a dozen years or so. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that happening. Um, he looks unreal at the moment. Probably depends on what happens around him. Um, that's one thing I probably would say is I feel like if you put Luca on any team, he's going to be Luca. Mm. Would Jason Tatum be Jason Tatum if he wasn't on Brad Stevens' Boston Celtics? That would be probably my measure. Trey Young's obviously doing his thing on an absolute horrendous team. Um, and a few of those other guys, you know, Ingram maybe not, you know. So I, I do just, that would be my one thing I would say. But otherwise, also I'm a fantasy team, so I'm I'm really loving Jay Tate at the moment. Um, and I think he looks like a superstar, and I think he will be. Yeah. But um, that would be my only little asterisk next to his name compared to those other guys who we did mention. But, the game I watched, you might have even joined me, with him against the Lakers. There was, especially because he weirdly had like 40, but had like two quarters where he went ballistic. And then I think he combined for like seven points in the other two, which is obviously a bit bit of a knock on him. But yeah, those times when he was hot and he was like attacking the rack and create his own shot. I was like, oh, there's like not many people in the world that could stop this dude right now. Yeah, that's true. It it felt like he forced it at the the end of that that Lakers game. And that sort of... Which is one of those things I'm like, ah, you, he's young, so mm. he'll learn it. Um, but that sort of made me wonder, because I just don't feel like Luca would do that or someone like that. So, but he's been going mental, and I've got a lot of love for old Jay Tate. Love he, his haircut. Would he be the uh, second best player in the East playoffs? Oh, Behind Giannis? Because uh, I think yeah. that was what I was teasing this into. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a dude that kind of led Boston... 
who knows, maybe the Bucks get bounced in seven by Miami or Toronto or mm. somehow they lose, or maybe even by Boston. But I wouldn't be surprised if Tatum really dictated terms for a couple of series and launched himself this playoffs. I want to be on record saying in case it does happen. Probably won't, but yeah, I think if you look top to bottom through all the rosters, I'd probably take Tatum, oh, it's a tough one, yeah. but over Joel, probably I'd take him over Pascal Siakam. Yeah. Starts yeah. to drop off a bit from there. Yeah, but. probably. Uh, it's it's a hard one. I don't know. I don't know if you could claim that as uh, I want to put it out there on paper. <laughs> it probably won't happen, though. I don't know if you can claim True. that. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he, at this point, yeah, but we'll see if Jimmy Butler has a good 20 games. And I'll be singing a different tune. That's the NBA for you. It's 82 games long the season. Everyone's saying, this bloke's the best. And then this bloke, 10 games. Like, oh, now it's Brad Beal. Yeah. Now it's Russell Westbrook, who we all hated. 10 games ago, but now he's not shooting threes. Now he's the best player in the world. I don't know. It's just, it's all a bit hard to gauge. But yeah, I, I, I love Jay Tate. I think he's going to be special. Shout out to uh, Jason Tatum. I reckon uh, we'll wrap it up there. Been a bumper first uh, episode back. We'll try to record this on hump day every week. So then I can flick it out oh, Wednesday evening at some point, And then hopefully uh, you're listening to it on Thursday morning. Uh, thanks for joining me on the couch, JL. Make sure that you uh, tune in the Marsh series this weekend. A lot to watch, a lot to check out. Uh, Till next time, though, chip your windy. Chip your windy.